Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and we are in the late-night edition Pickaxe and Roll After Dark uh, on this now Friday morning, as I'm joined by a very special guest, former colleague over at Denver Stiffs. It is Gordon Gross. Uh, Gordon, thank you for hopping on with me. I know you were very vocal on Twitter about this draft and had some takes and wanted to get them off my chest, get it off your <laughs> chest, and and potentially uh, doing it so that I didn't have to. Yeah, well, you were you you've been pulling a lot of duty today, man. Doing doing a bunch of writing and a bunch of podcasts and a bunch more writing to come. So I will I will save your voice a little bit and uh, make sure that we can talk through our feelings about the draft try to be more objective about the draft and then see where we're going at going forward. Yeah. So this is, I think the best place to start with this is just to address the elephant in the room. We do not know everything about the NBA draft. We are, (laughs) I wouldn't call myself an amateur at this, at this point, given that I've done it for several years, but my takes have been known to be either too harsh or too, or maybe a little bit underwhelming. I've missed on various things over the past. I do not know everything when it comes to the draft. I didn't think that Bones Highland was going to be ending up being a good pick. And it turned out he was the perfect player for what Denver needed, especially last year. Uh, so I want to preface all of this conversation with saying I could be wrong. My initial takes, Gordon's initial takes could be wrong. And we might look back at this and think, Man, this was dumb. Why are you saying this back then? Now, to be fair, I was correct about Bones last year, so I ain't worried about yes, it. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. How, <laughs> how sweet of you to remind me. Um, yeah, no, like there's a lot of people that thought that Bones was going to be good and that he was going to be a like it last year. The goal was just to get a good player, a player that was capable of helping out in the rotation. And Bones was exactly what Denver needed. He was the spark plug that the Nuggets needed. For this draft, the Nuggets have added four different players, three of which will be in the States this year. The fourth will be in France. First pick that they select, 21st overall, Christian Brown, out of Kansas, three-year player at Kansas, won a national championship this past year. Second pick, Peyton Watson, uh, an upside pick for sure. Uh, A freshman from UCLA, didn't play that much on a team that had title aspirations and wasn't very good when he did play, but he did show some flashes on the defensive end and as a passer. And third, they drafted Ismael Kamigate, who is a center from France. He played in the league that Joffrey, or not uh, Joffrey, uh, that Peter Cornelie played right. in this past year or uh, before Denver brought him over. And Kamigate was the defensive player of the year in the, in the previous year that right before Denver took him. So he, he's a talented player within that league. And then finally, Denver picked up Colin Gillespie, a two-way guard uh, from Villanova, fifth-year senior, somebody who's definitely a veteran uh, of the college ranks and potentially somebody who could help out Denver relatively soon, though he has a pretty low ceiling is what I would say. Um, Gordon, when you saw these picks come through, what was your general thought? Actually, just give me your general thoughts on the draft, just kind of as, uh, off the top here. Well, look, man, like I didn't have any problem with um, drafting Christian Brown. Like for me, that that pick made sense. I, it's not the, the pick I would have made, but I mean, he was in the group that I was looking at. So, you know, uh, I had a ranking of him near there. That's not a big deal. 
Um, and, you know, they got a guy who can do a lot of everything. He's athletic. He can shoot. I'm like, this is fine. Like, I don't have an issue with that pick at all. And so um, that, that pick definitely did not bother me. Uh, then at 30, I was waiting around to see what exactly the, the Denver plan was. Like, is this the night where they trade Barton and 30? They switch offense for some ready right now defense. You know what I mean? And you're trying to restructure around um, around the needs of your roster. Because if you have three or well, I guess four now with Bones, you already have four major offensive weapons in Jokic, MPJ, Murray, and Bones. You got to find some defense and some guys who don't need as many shots. And, you know, Brown doesn't need as many shots. He's willing to do all that other stuff. He's been doing it the last four years. So that's fine. You know, he'll step up when you ask him to, but otherwise, you know, you want him to get rebounds and whatever. Yeah, he'll do that. You want him to defend and be a jerk? Yeah, sure. He'll do that too. Um, But then at 30, they didn't trade that pick. They definitely took that pick and they took somebody who's not going to help them in 2022 and is iffy to be a a playoff contributor in 23 is what I'll say. Um, And so he's a defensive guy, which, I mean, I appreciate that, but I wasn't. I was, I, you know, me, these are the next two or three years. You have to maximize your shots at it. You know, these are the years where the, you know, the bucks went for it. You know, the, they, they traded a bunch of stuff to make sure that they could get the right mix of guys um, around Giannis so that they could win a ship and have a chance to compete. And if they don't get injured in the playoffs, I'm not so sure that they, they don't win the title again this year. Um, so, but the Nuggets didn't do that, that they took a guy who's not going to be ready. And then they took, you know, Israel, who I, I actually like him. Ishmael. Yeah. Ishmael. Sorry. Uh, Ishmael. I, I like him. I think he's going to be a good, a good player, but I, I don't, he's not ready yet either. So he's not even going to be here. Harrison Wind is reporting that he's going to be overseas. They're right. going to draft and stash him. And I, I would expect that. I expected them to stash him. And the only reason he would come over is if he wants to, but then they're putting him in a G League deal. Um, you know, and so he's not going to be on the big team doing anything for you because he's not ready for that. So these are all future picks, which is fine for Calvin, who's going to be around a minute, you would think, uh, as soon as he gets a better offer, obviously, because the Nuggets aren't going to match it. But if, if the Nuggets are serious about competing, then they only added one guy who can help them this year. Uh, and that's for me, that's an issue. Uh, that's not what I wanted to see tonight. That, that is a problem for me. Yeah. Let me just, uh, we're, we're going to get into more in-depth scouting reports on these guys in the second and third segments, but I do want to address this at the top. The nuggets did look at trades. They, they looked at trying to find veterans in this draft or in this, uh, during the draft, they were looking for these defensive players that Gordon alluded to. Uh, Kentavious Caldwell Pope is somebody that they've been circling for a while. Uh, they also like you. You name a defensive wing, they've probably asked about that player. That's right. that's kind of the the framing that we're going with here. And I, I just think that they were rebuffed in a lot of the the traits that they were willing to do. Denver does value their guys pretty highly, uh, but Denver doesn't necessarily get the same value from some of these other teams where. They right. might value Will Barton higher than what Will Barton's value actually is around the NBA. And so they aren't necessarily willing to throw in these first round picks, but they're, they're supposed to in order to get these upgrades. The key here 
is now Denver's off the clock and they've missed their chance. Denver had two assets that they could use, these first round picks, Mm -hmm. in order to upgrade their roster. And now they only have the 2029 first round pick as a trade asset for the next seven years. That is the next time that Denver can trade a first round pick. Now, there might be some shenanigans that they can do at each of these individual drafts. Maybe they flip years in which they trade some of these picks and whatnot. But the point being, Denver right now is at a very strong uh, asset. De- they, they have their asset depleted right now in terms of what they can do to trade for upgrades. And now that they have drafted and selected players, they cannot use those players in trades until December 15th or whatever. And that, to me, is a really bad sign that Denver's not going to get the players that they want on the trade market. Well, that's so here's, <laughs> here's an old adage that I was taught at a very young age. Uh, it's um, if you find the right thing at the right time, you don't chisel about price. So if you needed a defender and you had to trade Barton and something more than you wanted to trade, but it was the right defender at the right time, then you pay it. That's how Denver wound up losing out um, to Milwaukee in that uh, Pelicans trade because Milwaukee was willing to pay the extra price that Denver wouldn't pay. And Milwaukee raised a freaking banner because of it. Like you pay if you need to pay, like you're here, you're already on the doorstep. So uh, what, what frustrates me and what continues to frustrate me is that the nuggets uh, keep proving that they are willing to get to out of what was the every, every year it was the one yard line with Tim Connolly, right? He'd say, we got it to the one-yard line, but we just we couldn't make the deal happen in the end. Yeah, well, that's because you were worried about future assets, and it's 2018, and you're not really sure maybe that you have the right mix yet because Jokic and Murray are really young. Jokic ain't young anymore. He's a two-time MVP. Okay, you know, this is it. Like, you can't keep running the MVP out there and just hoping. Um, I mean, I know that Dirk... Uh, you know, he, he only won the one, which I guess only should never be a, a qualification on a title. You won a damn title, but, and they, but they went to two finals and they, they, they took several shots, man. I mean, they traded whole, whole reams of their roster. They moved to a hall of fame point guard for a different hall of fame point guard, trying to get the mix right. And Denver is like, well, here's my deck chair and I'm willing to move it six inches to the right, but not eight because eight would be extreme. And that's my frustration, and it continues to be with Denver, that when the chips are down, they don't bite the bullet and make the big move. They did Aaron They did Aaron Gordon, which, I mean, I appreciate that they took that swing. They were forced into it because the gentle swing that they were willing to take on Jeremy Grant by swapping one first-rounder was rebuffed. He didn't sign their contract. So that forced them to make a bigger swing and trade more assets for Aaron Gordon because they screwed up that earlier decision. Um, And it's not all their fault. I mean, you can't make a player want to stay, but I mean, they sure didn't maximize him during the season to make him think he was going to have the big role he wanted. And that's something that you should know. Like these are the decisions that you need as a, as a winning club, as a winning front office, you have to find the right guys. You have to be willing to pay and you have to suffer. Like 
if and that the question that the all Nuggets fans really have about the Cronkies is whether they're willing to suffer to bring a title to Denver. And so far, the answer is not really. So we're going to find out. We still have the free agency coming. There's still other things to do. But Calvin Booth's statement about how they might have to make some quote-unquote tweaks to the roster because they're not quite there yet isn't really promising on the, yes, we plan to make a big trade this offseason still front. It's not promising. If they were going to do that, like you said, Ryan, the trade assets should have been one of these picks, which you would think would be why they moved the pick up from 27 to now to make that trade. So the fact that it didn't happen makes it less likely you're going to have a big trade coming up shortly. A couple things. That trade now in retrospect looks purely like a salary dump. Yep. It's not great. Uh, Jamichael Green was on the hook for $8.2 million. He, he probably wasn't going to play. There was, there was definitely a, a world where he would probably be unhappy with his role and the Nuggets would have had to move him or cut him anyway. Uh, but they instead decide to trade him and they trade him along with a 2027 first round pick for the 30th overall pick, which turned into Peyton Watson and two second round picks. I believe they traded one of those second round picks to get Kamigate. Right. So uh, maybe so that you get Watson, you get Kamigate and you get another second rounder in the terms of that deal. But what Denver also did was they got $6 million cheaper. They got $6 million less in the luxury tax. and Well, the multiplier too, so it's more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah multiplier. I'm doing before luxury tax calculation yep. here. Um, and so maybe this gives them a little bit more flexibility to spend over the top of that. I'm a little bit skeptical. I did ask Calvin Booth today if, if he had full reign to use the taxpayer mid-level in free agency, and he said yes. He said that he had full reign to do that. We will see if that actually comes to pass. I, it's not that I don't uh, believe Calvin Booth, but I just need to see it. I need to see them use that contract and actually add a player like that. Right. But my thing, again, you keep telling me you get to the one-yard line and you couldn't pull it off. So why would I believe you'd pull off using the trade exception? Like right. you get to the one-yard line and you couldn't pull that off either. Like it, that's the thing with the Nuggets is that they don't like these deals. That's not what they like. They value their own players. And they value them more than other people's players. And so they don't pull the trigger on these deals until they wind up giving away players for like second rounders when their deals are about to run out because they continue to value players who did not reach the development level they would have needed to, to be able to be traded. And they would not be played by their head coach to get that time in to prove that they're worth what the Nuggets think they're worth. So uh, you're setting me up again for these two players that the Nuggets have just added to be in that same situation in three years where the Nuggets are going to try to move them for other players and they're going to get second rounders or whatever because they they aren't going to be able to find the playing time for these guys. And that and it's the same cycle. We've seen this cycle with the Nuggets. So I am currently annoyed with the fact that it looks like a cycle repeating. And it may not be, but it currently looks that way. And the Nuggets haven't earned any benefit of the doubt on this. They just haven't. I, I would guess, and, and I, I think you'll probably share the same sentiment that Peyton Watson, two years from now, I think it's probably a 75 to 80% likelihood that his value is lower than the equivalent 30th overall pick in the 2024 NBA right. draft or whatever that is. And, and that's the point here is that when Denver is trying to maximize their value, when they're trying to make the most 
of these situations and, and find the right deals. When you fall back on this, you get a guy that you can help now with, with Christian Brown. That's fine. With Peyton Watson, this is a major swing. He is not going to play. I would guess that he probably pay, plays Tyler Lydon minutes for these next two years. And maybe there's an opportunity to play him a little bit more with the G League and, and kind of fast track his development a little bit. Maybe he hits. Like, like Calvin Booth said, it could take two months. It could take two years, I guess. I'll believe it when I see it. Like It just seems like he's very raw and very uh, not ready at this stage to contribute at that level. So I just don't understand and don't really believe in the use of assets from the Nuggets in this draft tonight. I think that they missed the boat. That's exactly. my thing, is that if you, if you had just left the 2027 draft pick where it was, you could have traded it in 2024 for somebody who's ready for playing time at that point or for a vet, and you don't have this issue that you have right now. So you have to believe in Watson or it has to be a fallback plan. And I can't imagine that they, that they traded for the 30th pick saying we will use it on Peyton Watson. And that is our master plan that that can have been plan a. So anybody who tells me it is plan a, I'd like to see the, I need somebody to show their work on that. Cause that's a, it's a great flaw. It seems like there was another plan heading into tonight where you were going to reroute one of those picks along with a veteran to get something else. I firmly believe the Nuggets thought about trading up to 10. I think that they tried to go get Johnny Davis. Mm -hmm. I think that they tried to also lump in Kentavious Caldwell-Pope into that. And for whatever reason, that deal fell through, whether it was on the Nuggets end, whether it was on the Wizards end, I don't know. But I do think that that's something that they tried and that they were rebuffed in some sort of way for what they wanted. And they were left drafting at 21 for a guy that might play 11th or 12th man minutes this year in, in Christian Brown. And I then think a fifth, that, but I hear you. Uh, well, what if they re-sign Davon Reed? What if they bring back Austin Rivers? Like there's definitely a world where he's buried on the depth chart. And that's pretty, that's pretty ugly if you're, if you're this. But uh, one other thing that I do want to mention before we hit a break here, I do think that Michael Malone was very involved in this yeah, draft process. I agree. Oh, oh no. I think he was very involved mm-hmm. in this draft process. You look at the players that they added. Christian Brown, very strong defense, very different. Like he's, he's listed as a motherfucker in yeah. terms of his personality type. He is a competitor. He's a defensive guy. He is going to be a Malone stalwart. That's they, why I think they, he might get minutes. Trust me. Yeah. Like, I understand what you're saying about minute time, but he's such a Malone guy. Like, if you ask me which guy in this draft is a Malone dude, he would have been a draft pick number one for me as a Malone <laughs> guy. So, yeah, when they drafted him, it's absolutely Malone's fingerprints are all over that pick. Colin Gillespie, definitely a Malone guy yep. from the perspective of fifth-year senior, wants the stability, doesn't want a guy who's going to screw around, but he's also a better shooter, I think, than some of the other guys that they could have gotten. So that's a good fit, and we'll talk about him later. But even Watson and Kamigate, like Kamigate, they're not bringing over, but he's a, a talented player with a good personality and, and, a, and kind of a – like he's willing to do, I think, what they want him to do. And so they're going to stash him. Yeah. And, and they're going to like, I, I wonder if he plays for the same league next year, if he tries to get to a 
a higher competition league mm-hmm. uh, and they see what they what he does at that point but uh also like even Watson like he is going to be very raw but he's not Michael Porter raw where he doesn't know how to play defense he's not Malik Beasley raw where he's very offensively skewed and doesn't really know what to do on the defensive end Watson's skills are defensive oriented and I'm sure that Malone was probably like, let's get a guy that can help now. And Booth was probably like, I really believe in this guy. He was a former eighth overall high school recruit. And so they probably met in the middle on him. And so we're going to, we're going to have to see what they ultimately do with them. But uh, this was a Malone style draft. That's all I'll say. Right. right. No, I agree with you. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Christian Brown and Peyton Watson in more depth. But first, summer is here, and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your bunny up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back with Pickaxe and Roll. and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in appreciate all the love and support as always can it be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe to the podcast five stars apple podcast spotify google wherever you get your podcasts when you share out the program it definitely helps me grow helps uh me over a mile high sports and we're just gonna have to see how that continues to develop but for now let's talk about christian brown and peyton watson we're gonna go into more in depth on both of these guys and and what some of the experts have to say on some of those guys, as well as some of the uh, just the numbers, what their what our general beliefs are in these players, and kind of give you more of a rundown of what we believe is going to be their future. Uh, let's start with Christian Brown, Gordon. Uh, and I did I say I was drawn by Gordon Gross? I, I think I did. Uh, Gordon, let's talk about Christian Brown. What is the first word that comes to mind when you hear Christian Brown? Um, well, I will say asshole, but also competitor. Like it's in a good way. Yeah. Like he, he's exactly the guy that you think that he is. Like if you take a mugshot of, of Christian Brown, he, he looks like a, a frat kid who, who spends his time like hassling people. And he does on the court. He's a non, he, everyone hates him. It's amazing. I, I compared him to, um, like, uh, I, I like prime JJ Reddick college hatred uh, where people just despise him because he's a competitor and he's going to make you angry. Um, I know he got some Grayson Allen comps, but I, he's bigger than Grayson. Um, that's, that's not really his niche, but he's just as annoying. Like he will fight through every screen. He will hassle you up and down the court. He doesn't leave you alone. His motor's huge. He's athletic as hell. He jumps out the gym. Like, the the thing about his wingspan for me is is an overblown thing. Um, he's what six six with a six six wingspan, right? 
So yeah, I think he's six seven. I think he's got the negative wingspan. Whatever. Uh, Grayson Allen's six four with a six six wingspan. What do I care if they're playing the same position? I mean, this is that whole like Shane Battier was like, you know, like six nine with like I don't know. They don't, I don't remember what his wingspan was, but he had short arms. But because his feet were always six inches from your feet, because he could mirror you, because he was always in your face, his length didn't matter. So you, he was facing guys who were 6'6 six, six with 6'9 six, wingspans, and he's 6'9 with a 6'8 wingspan or whatever. But it didn't matter because the size was there. You couldn't just back his ass down. And that's how, that's how Christian Brown plays. I, I love watching him uh, just harass people on the court. And he does everything. Like the great thing about Christian Braun is that he has the motor that you want in an off-ball player. Um, he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He will run. He will back cut. He will set screens. He will hustle for rebounds. Like he does all of that stuff that you need because you've already got Bones is going to take 16 shots and Murray's going to take 18 shots and Jokic is going to take 20 shots. And what, you know, Michael is going to take probably 15 because no one passes him the ball. But, you know, this is, your shots are taken, man. Like you're not going to get 15 or 16 shots for the Nuggets this year if you aren't one of those guys. So you have to make your impact in other ways. You're going to get a few shots. There'll be a handful. If you're open, hit them. Guess what? Christian Braun hits open shots. Is he a dead-eye shooter? Not yet, but I think he can improve on that, and I think he's a good enough shooter that it's totally fine. You leave him open, he will make you pay. Also, he'll drive the rim. Also, he doesn't have any problem dunking your face and then flipping you the bird and then mooning the fans and then running down the court and asking for booze. Like, he's an asshole on the court. So is Bones. Bones does it with a smile instead of a smirk. But Bones is a complete jerk on the court. Other teams hate that guy. Other fan bases are booing the crap out of him, and he's bringing it on. And he loves that. They're both competitors. And what I like about the Nuggets draft this year and last year is that they grabbed ballers, guys who would compete on the playground. They compete like playing ping pong. They compete, whatever. That's just who they are. Christian Braun had that story about how uh, he went to a he went to one of these draft meetings, and one of the guys that they were like have a staring contest with our dude, and the dude who's having a stare contest was started blinking immediately, and Christian Braun blinked after like a second because you know he was like what they're like do you want to try again? And Christian's like hell yeah! So he gets back in there. It's like a nine or ten seconds he lasts at that point, and then he blinks and they're like do you want it again? And he's like yeah wait is this a test? Are you testing me? And they're like, yeah, we want to know how competitive people are. Christian Braun is a very competitive dude. Do not worry about that. He wants it. He has a lot of motor. He has a lot of energy and he, he cares. He wants to win. He hates losing. And the Nuggets need those guys. They have a lot of passive guys on the team. So yeah, me and Braun, I I have no problem with drafting an asshole. Who's going to be your asshole. He's great when he's your asshole. That's terrific. I have no problem with that. It's a Draymond Green is an asshole. That's totally fine. You know, the, the, the Golden State Warriors would have it no other way. And those are the guys that the Nuggets have to pick up more of, and they got one. So it's fine with me. Real quick, uh, Keith Smith just tweeted uh, from Spotrack, source tell Spotrack, that six foot five combo guard Adonis Arms out of Texas Tech has agreed to a free agent deal with the Denver Nuggets. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I haven't done my scouting report on Adonis Arms, but the Texas Tech team, very good defensively. 
not very good offensively from right. a uh, like from a shooting and spacing perspective, but we'll just have to see how that goes. But this is likely a training camp deal. Maybe it's a summer league contract and they're just trying to figure out how to incorporate him and maybe uh, take a flyer on a defender. But uh, we'll get back to Adonis Arms at a later date. Um, with regard to Brown, you're you're 100% right. There was the story about uh, the, Sam Vecini told this on podcast that he was sitting courtside uh, at Villanova, Kansas. And when Christian Brown, I think he dunked or he hit a big three or something like that. It was an and one. He went down uh, the side where Sam Vecini was sitting and was just, he screamed about 17 F words in yeah. six seconds. And it just seemed like anybody in the vicinity, he was shouting the F word at uh, just laying it out there because he's so competitive and so fiery and definitely going to get under the skin of opponents, definitely going to get under the skin, even of teammates in, in, in practice. And that's probably something that you're, that you're hoping that he does in order to keep uh, the competitive nature of this team at the highest level that it possibly could be. But that's what you're looking for with a, a defender specifically. And I do think that Christian Brown was brought in to be a defender. Uh, like we talked about with some of the other guys, everybody that they brought in has the capability to play defense. Everybody that they brought in has the capability to play next to Denver stars. And if Brown wants on the court, he's going to have to fight defensively. And I believe he's going to do that. Absolutely. And I, uh, the thing, the thing with him, uh, the, the, his competitiveness is his alpha trait. That's his thing. He's not going to be the best shooter on the court. He's not going to be the best defender. He's not going to be the best rebounder, but he'll be good at all of that stuff. He's basically like you, if you made a, a, a player character in a game and you didn't want to be weak at anything, that's what you got with Christian Brown. Is that Christian Jack, Brown is not, uh, we'll say what? Jack of all trades type. Like he's, yeah, he's that type of player. Yeah, yeah. That he's, he's seven and a half at everything. He's, he's good at everything. Uh, but his competitiveness is through, off the charts. And that's totally fine with me. That's how you max out that kind of profile. Like if you're that guy and your competitiveness is like, meh, then you're not going to be that good. But if you're that kind of guy and you want to win every possession, yeah, bring it. Because you got lots of different ways to do it then. So he played for Kansas this year. For anybody that doesn't know, three-year starter for Kansas. They won a national title this year. Brown was, I think, widely regarded as the second best player on that team behind Ochai Akbaji. Akbaji won Big 12 Player of the Year. He won uh, most outstanding player in the tournament, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but Brown, there, there are a lot of people that thought that Brown might actually be the better prospect between yeah. those two, just because of, of a couple of things. One, I think his three-pointer is probably a little bit more trustworthy than Akbaji at the next level. Uh, he, he has a, a longer track record, I think, of hitting threes and free throws at a good rate, and he takes, takes some pretty deep shots, too. Uh, but the other thing is the passing. He sees the court pretty well. And, and that's something that the Nuggets really want to emphasize is, is guys that understand, see the court, have a high basketball IQ. And Brown definitely has that. There's, there's no doubt about it. Some of the passes that he makes on back cuts, some of the passes that he makes on pick and rolls, getting the ball in transition especially, he is a player in Christian Brown that I think could play pretty soon as long as he sees the, the court well. And I, I have no doubt that he probably can at this next level. The only question is whether he's going to be at his best athletically against this team. But he's also a guy that had a 40-inch vertical or 39-inch like, vertical or whatever. That's my thing, man. When people talk about his athleticism, 
And I'm like, that guy was like the second best athlete at the combine. Okay. He jumped out the gym. His three cones were crazy. Like that guy is an athlete. And I know he's white and white dudes get the, you know, the, the, you know, Moro treatment of, yeah. Sure, athlete. Yeah. He's not though. Like that's the thing is he's actually a terrific athlete. You know, his only limitation is he's got short arms and he makes up for that by having a giant vert. Uh, in the same way that, you know, uh, you run into any of these guys, uh, Blake Griffin had tiny ass arms, but it doesn't matter because he jumped out the gym as a, you know, as, as a, a young man. Now you lose your knees eventually, but I don't care about 2029. Like, you know, this is the time at which if you're going to make up for having short arms, you do that by blocking stuff because you have a 40 inch vertical. And so, yeah, I, I'm not worried about Brown in an athletic situation at all. He doesn't have necessarily the quickest defensive recovery, but that's feet. That's footwork. That's not athleticism. Do you know what I mean? Like you can work on that. Oh yeah. Um, he has the athleticism to get it right. So I'm not, I, I really, again, he's actually, I, I talking him up like he was my pick. I, he was not, a, he would not have been my first pick at that role. I said that before, you know, I would have gone with uh Marjan Bochamp, but I, I have no problem with Brown. I had him in the same, in the same uh, class um, as Marjan. So it's fine for me. He is going to have to work hard. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. He's going to have to be the hardest worker on the team because like the wingspan, the standing reach, I do think that those things matter uh, just from a, a margin of error perspective. He's, he's like, you, you defend with your feet. There's no doubt about it. You don't defend with your arms. You defend with your feet. Yep. But for teams that like, especially in the NBA, where offenses are so good and you need as much margin of error as you possibly can get. It is nice to have a team with long arms, big athletes, uh, players that can move especially well side to side and cover a lot of ground. It's nice to have those guys. I mean, what sure, but how many of them there are at 21? Like, that's the question, right? Is where yeah. you're drafting. I want those guys, but those guys went at 10. You know, like that was, that was the issue is that those were lottery dudes this year. And so next you're looking at, you have Bochamp, and we saw him against, you know, other G League guys and other NBA players. And the Nuggets had Marjan in, and they picked Christian Brown over him. So it's not like they didn't like him. They saw him. They invited him to camp. They had good conversations with him, and then they did not pick him. So, yeah, we're about to find out which of these teams got the right guy. You know, because all the contenders picked pretty much the same kind of guys. All of the guys that Denver was looking at went, you know, like 20 to 25. Was So the Nuggets, all the guys in the Nuggets range, everybody in that range was looking for the same player. And so they all got a version of it. And now we'll see which of those versions works out. I think I'd give the pick. I, for, for that one, I'd give it a B plus because it is the type of player that you're looking for. Right. I personally would have preferred Wendell Moore. I would have preferred Marjan Bochamp. If they had drafted Marjan Bochamp, I would have given it an A because I just believe in him more than I do in Christian Brown. But if they believe in Christian Brown more, then that's fine. And I will, I will trust their judgments. I'll trust their player development team um, and because it, it really is at this point, like they're in the same tier. Once you, get those, once, once you get those guys into your building, it's about who separates themselves, who has the, the physical tools, but also the brain in order to kind of make up for it. Uh, so it, it's in the it's in that realm. I give it a B plus. That is great. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. Again, the pick fits the need. 
you needed a guy who could play a two, three and play defense. And they got a guy who could do that and make shots. So he's not just a defender. You can't have a defender who's shooting 30% from three. Like he's got to be able to space the floor still. And he can do that. He'll also get rebounds. He's a crazy rebounder. So he does all of that stuff, which you want your, your guy who's only going to get like seven shots to do. So it's, it's fine with me. I have, I have no issue with it. Like you said, you know, you, uh, he's in this, he's in the right tier. He fits the right niche. He, he, you know, he solves a need. Take it. It's fine. Let's move on to Peyton Watson. Uh, work worker spent some significant time on him before we hit a break. This was a tough pick for me because I uh, obviously assumed that Denver was going to move this pick. I yeah. thought that they might get a guy that that's a little bit more helpful at the top. Uh, maybe, maybe as soon as this year within the rotation. And, and when I was, I was looking at the, the pick, there was a lot of players kind of in that realm that I think would have been helpful immediately. Like EJ Liddell would have been something that I think they could have sure. uh, somebody that I think would have been helpful, but all of the other wings basically were off the board. And so I kind of understand why they went to different routes and, and just went for upside at this pick. The problem is that the guy that you went for with upside there's just a lot of question marks when it comes to Peyton Watson. Uh, he's incredibly raw. There's no doubt that he's going to spend time in the G League. There's no doubt that he's going to spend time in the garbage time unit for Denver. And it's going to be hard for him to make up ground at the NBA level for Michael Malone while, he, while they're trying to win a championship. So the Nuggets are going to have to find time to carve out uh, playing opportunities for a guy like Peyton Watson, but it's going to have to be in a very controlled setting and it might not be for a while. Right. Absolutely. And that's, that's my issue with the whole situation is that um, you drafted a guy who is not going to help you this year. He's just not uh, like, I wish that he would, uh, but he's not ready. Uh, and, and as again, as, um, you know, Calvin Booth said, might take him two months, might take him two years. It's not going to take him two months. Uh, that's just, that's just not going to happen. He is not going to be rotation ready in two months. Um, I watched enough play from him from UCLA, um, to know that there are reasons he didn't make it on the court. And yes, some of it had to do with the fact that veterans came back, that he wasn't expected to come back when he signed with UCLA. Um, but some of it has to do with the fact that he would get on the court and stuff would go wrong. He would fail to complete stuff in transition. He would fail to complete drives to the hoop. He would, it, it, he would airball terrible shots. Like there are, he has positives. There are things that you look at and you're like, sure, I can see how this would work, that he's a defensive guy who can also handle the ball in transition, who can pass some. He's got, he's got a good vision on the court, um, you know, and if the shot comes through, then he's, he's a two-way player, you know, with also creative ability. That's terrific. But I'm not smoking that pipe right now. Like, this is not a pick for now. This is very much like Jared Vanderbilt is a pick that the Nuggets made four years ago and then never found a role for the guy and traded him because they just could not get him on the court and he's fine, but he, his shot never came through. Like there's nothing that, that I like, I like Jared and I wish that the Nuggets still had him. He would solve a need for them, but 
he's whatever Peyton Watson turns into, you know, people talk about how he was a great high school player and very highly rated. That's cool. I remember the Nuggets drafting Quincy Miller, who was a great high school player and considered basically the second best player in high school after Anthony freaking Davis. Well, that's amazing. But you know who didn't play much in the NBA? Quincy Miller. Um, and it's, you know, whatever you did in high school is adorable, but that has no bearing on what you do against grown ass men in professional situations. Now I will say that, that Peyton uh, had a very, um, in the, the draft interview stuff that I saw from him, he, he took it seriously that he was like, this is a draft interview. Like it's a job interview. I'm not here to mess around. Like I'm here to, to try to convince people. I know I'm a mystery. I'm embracing the fact that I'm a mystery. People don't really know who I am or what I can do. And I'm just going to try to do my best. And obviously he impressed the nuggets. Good for them. Like that's fine. But the issue that I will always have is what good does that do me in the Denver's next two title runs? And the answer is basically nothing. Um, I, I don't know how to reconcile that for me because if he, if he, if he doesn't really have the offense come through, then you're hoping that in two years, like, what's your hope? Is he Derek Jones Jr.? Like, is that what you, is that what you drafted with the 30th pick? Um, I think before the podcast, you were telling me, Ryan, like, is he going to be worth the 30th pick in the 2024 draft by the time we get to the 2024 draft? And my answer to you is I don't, I can't say that he would be. Like, at that point, is what he is going to be worth that? I hope so. You know, I mean, the hope is he turned into Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? And then you find him a shot baby. But if not, yeah. then he's Ben Simmons. And you're like, that's great. I have high hopes for everybody, but I don't consider, you know, that everybody's going to turn into a defensive player of the year, passing genius. You know what I mean? Who, who Whose only weakness could be his offensive creation. You know, I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. So let's. Let's tell the people kind of kind of what they're getting into here, because Christian Brown, it was, it was pretty simple. He, he put a lot of numbers and put up a, a lot of tape on who he was. Peyton Watson, obviously a little bit more of a mystery, measured at six foot eight. Yeah. Measured at it with a seven foot one wingspan and an eight and a half, uh, eight foot, eleven and a half standing reach. So nearly nine feet. Right. Uh, he is a player who's. He might still be growing. Like it does seem like he he like he was six five at one point. That he's six eight. Had a very late growth spurt. Maybe he's a guy yeah. that grows within the league at this point, and it might end up being six nine or six ten. And if that's the case, then maybe it kind of changes what we think about him, what we think he could do. Uh, but right now, he's a guy that is going to excel going forward on the defensive end. That's why Denver drafted him. Calvin Booth said today that he believes that Peyton Watson is a player that they think has the potential to be a top-level defender at the NBA, guarding guys like Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, down the line, et cetera. And that's great. Like if, if he does hit on that, and if that is something that they believe in, then that's fantastic. He did have some really strong steal and block indicators in the limited minutes that he played. Uh, Sam Vecini here says that the tape that he showed Pretty good fighting through screens, using his length to contest shots, got back into the picture on passing lanes and block shots. And, and he, I, I saw some film of him just blocking shots off the rim, kind right. of in recovery. That's really interesting. And, and given his athleticism, that is a really good thing to have. Now the athleticism gets 
more difficult at the NBA level. That's that's just going to be like it's going to be a more even ground at that point. And some of the combine numbers that he put up from a physical standpoint, I wasn't really impressed. Like a little bit slower than you would think for an athlete, a little bit uh, not as high of a jumper as you would think from an athlete, not necessarily as good side to side as you would hope for. So there are some things with him that this is definitely a project. This is a guy who's still growing into his body clearly and probably is not optimized athletically right now. Maybe this is something that changes in a couple of years, but like we talked about, it's going to take a couple of years for him. Yeah. And, and my, I actually agree with you hundred percent that he is still growing. I think his, some of the issues that I have with him are because he's not done with his body. And so it's not reacting the way you would think when you're still growing you're not going to have the lift on your jumps that you're expecting to have because your body's doing other stuff. Um, but I, I watched him get defeated by the rim plenty of times. Like for a guy who's an athlete in an open court situation, things that should be easy were not necessarily easy for him. And I, I, you would have to try hard to find a way to miss as many open ass bunnies as that guy missed this year. Um, and so not a polished player, um, I do think that he's still growing into his body. I don't think he has his man. He definitely doesn't have his man strength yet. So that's great. But again, that means down the line, you're hoping he gets all that stuff. Because right now he ain't got it. He does have the motor. The one thing, the one thing with, um, with him is I, I, I've seen uh, him in college and I, I watched a couple of his under-19 games um, when he did that last year um, in high school. And that kid is relentless on defense when he knows what he's supposed to do. But I watched him have plenty of defensive lapses at UCLA when he didn't know what he was supposed to do. And so these are the things where um, uh, that's the learning curve you're working with, that he has all the defensive tools in the world. Like you said, he has the length you want. He's got the feet. He can fight through screens and get skinny and do all sorts of great stuff that, um, you know, he's, he's very switchable. He can defend multiple positions. You know, you want him to be Sean Marion. Like, that's your goal, right? Is you're like, if this works out, he's the Matrix. And it's perfect. Because the Matrix didn't have a shot when he got to the league either. You know what I mean? But yeah, but we don't know yet. Like, I mean, yeah, I have hopes like that for that guy. He has physical talents. But he's seen plenty of guys with physical talents who can't put it to work in the NBA. And certainly can't do that out of the gate. And he definitely will not do it out of the gate. So it's a long-term pick where if he works out, you're going to have to pay him. And he's not going to give you a lot of service time before you do. And sometimes that's the breaks, right? But you do that stuff normally as a, a team on the rise, not a team that's one step from a freaking title. And so you're devoting a lot of resources and a lot of effort to helping a guy out who's not going to be ready for you for a minute. And so I, I really hope for the best for him, and I hope that it works out. And again, there's definitely a path for him being a really good player in this league and a very good defender, um, but not yet. And so we're just going to have to wait and see. So, yeah, just hitting on the weaknesses once again, the shot is not there. He shot in the low 20s as a three-point percentage guy yep. uh, in transition, reading some notes again from Sam Vecini's amazing draft guide that you should look at for the athletic. Uh, according to Synergy, 1,774 players in college basketball this season had at least 30 possessions in transition. Watson's 27.1 EFG percentage was 1,770th. So he was the fifth worst in college basketball 
which is that's hard to do, especially for a, a highly recruited athlete. round draft so, pick. Yeah, yeah, like that's so. But let me let me uh, let me balance that out with the positives. He was drafted with a thirtieth overall pick. This is the lowest salary slot for the next four years that the, that Denver could possibly give him. So there is a longer runway for him to take his time. And I think given that he was a high recruit, given that like what we've seen from some of these other guys, when they kind of take one year, not necessarily as good in their freshman season, and then they figure it out in their sophomore or junior seasons. I think the Nuggets are betting on the fact that if he had gone back to school for his sophomore season, then he would have been a lottery pick. Right. If he had gone back to for his junior season, then he would have been a lottery pick, maybe a top 10 pick or something like that. Just because he's one of those guys, though, he shows that progression. And when he starts to figure it out, then he starts to look scary. They are buying in early. And whether you like it or not, I do think that there is some merit to that. Because if there's one thing we are thinking about from Denver's perspective, what is their future kind of uh, Achilles heel? It's a defensive end. They have Murray, Porter, and Jokic locked up for the next three years and potentially longer. That is what they're going to always struggle with, given this core. And so if you can add some high-ceiling defenders and take as many swings on those guys as possible, then there is some merit to that. Now, you have to be able to add some guys in the short term as well, or else you're totally screwed. If you're throwing him into the fire immediately, you are going to get burned, and he is going to flame out of the NBA. Right. And that's and so my my thing with with Peyton is not that he will never be a good player. My thing with Peyton is that he is not ready for a role. And we have seen what happens with Malone when guys are not ready for a role. He doesn't give them any role. He doesn't like, well, I'll warm you up to it. Their ass just sits on the bench and waves a towel. And so he's not going to play. Now, luckily, they do have a G League team now that they can send him to for him to work out, you know, in Grand Rapids and to, to go get some practice and play against actual people with band strength, you know what I mean? And, and get some actual work in from the coaching staff that Denver controls, which they didn't for a lot of their other picks in previous years, that can get him on the plan that they want him on, that can work on his body, that can do other things to make sure that he's in the best position to get as much practice time as he needs to go and, and as much court time in actual game situations to improve. Um, and so you're, you're burning service years doing that. But again, like you said, if it works, then maybe in two years, you've got a guy that you can drop in and say, yeah, he can cover Kevin Durant in the playoffs for me, you know, and we can, we can pull out that series. Fine. I get it. I understand. I understand that's the goal. Um, but again, it doesn't solve Denver's current problem. And the Nuggets have precious few ways now to solve that with non um, small salary players. So you're, you're kind of betting that you can make that happen. And when you take this pick this way. Yeah, there's no doubt that this is a big bet. This is a big bet for Denver. They decided to go this direction. Calvin Booth said that this was one of his guys that he wanted to get Peyton Watson. And so Denver believes that they believe in him. They think that he can do these things and we are just going to have to take him at his word and see like, if, if this is something that uh, like, cause Michael Malone has to show some willingness to develop him as well. And that's, yes. that's kind of where we are at with this, with, with Malone, he has his own concerns to worry about and Denver's going to have to figure this thing out. But 
I do think that as Denver continues to find ways to get better, that there is a pathway where a player like Peyton Watson can be a factor, maybe not this year, but next year. And so right. that's fine. It is what it is. And then again, it's, he's a, he's a good player uh, potentially. And so you have to have that bet. You've made it in the draft. You can't take it back. The Nuggets have this habit of making bets in the draft that they don't continue to bet on during the regular season in practice time minutes, when opportunities are available for them to get on the court. Those things are not maximized. And because the Nuggets have for the last several years been consumed with winning the battle, the day-to-day 82-game grind. They have not been consumed with winning the war, which is the title. So they were not willing to, like, say, sit Michael Porter Jr. next year, perhaps. And then you play Peyton Watson to get him experience and get Michael, Michael Porter Jr. some rest so that he's ready for the playoffs and Peyton Watson has some freaking playing time. Like they have not been willing to do that in previous years. And that's what is going to have to change. If you're going to make these kind of bets on future guys, then you have to work them in and you have to make it happen. You have to do what the Golden State Warriors did, right? With Jordan Poole and get that guy some playing time because you know he's too good not to play. And if that's how that works, then you've got to play his ass. And so not this year, please don't start again. Let him be ready first. You spend this year getting Peyton ready. And then next year, you better be able to work him in. You can't suddenly in game 81 decide, oh, hell, maybe I need Peyton Watson for the playoffs. Like, that's a terrible plan. Don't do that stuff. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Ishmael Kamigate and Colin Gillespie, both players that are reportedly going to Denver. And we will just see in what capacity they do. We will be right back. and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Joined by Gordon Gross to help break down the 2022 NBA draft and anything that Denver has done in this draft. Uh, Gordon, I know that we don't really have time to talk about some of the other teams. So was there any other team, though, that you, you thought stood out as a, as a good quality draft that they had? The Pelicans did good. Yeah. I like Dyson Daniels. Yeah. I thought they did pretty well in this draft. So, I mean, there are, there are a couple of teams that, that I thought did well. I thought Detroit did pretty well. Oh, yeah. That's Jalen Duran. They got uh, Jaden Ivey. Like, there's, there's Ivey. some stuff yeah. to like about what the, what the Pistons are doing. They, they're building a, a real winner there, I think. Let's talk about Ishmael Kamigate. Let's talk about Colin Gillespie. Here's what we know. Uh, Denver acquired this pick. Uh, the Ishmael Kamigate pick, the 46th overall pick. It was initially Detroit's pick. Then Portland got it, and then Denver got it. I think they they got the rights to it. They traded for those rights with a 2024 second-round pick. I am not sure if that is Denver's second-round pick or if it's a the OKC second-round pick that they got from the Jamichael Green deal, but they traded a second-round pick, so is what it is. They got right. Kamigate. Kamigate, 21 years old. Six foot 11, 230 pounds, played for the LNB Pro A French League uh, for Paris. It's actually Paris is the name of the team. 
and he's a center. He's a big body, seven foot three wingspan, athletic and skilled. Definitely a player that I, I can see being an NBA caliber player. I actually had him rated way higher than Peyton Watson. I had him rated at 31, just outside the first round. Uh, what are your initial yeah. impressions of Kamigata? That I, if he'd been the pick at 30, I would have understood it perfectly because they were stashing him so he wouldn't take a roster spot. Um, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I, yeah. I would absolutely have understood them taking him at 30 because then you lock him in on a four-year deal when he finally comes over, not a two-year. You'd lock him in on a four-year deal when he finally comes over and you leave him in, you leave him in Europe for a year or two. And then you, you go ahead and, um, and see what he's got. Cause I love his feet. I love the way that guy moves for a six eleven dude. He's not one of these six eleven slow footed guys. That guy moves on the perimeter. He's got some really good feet, long arms, um, loves to defend, uh, face up on ball handlers. Doesn't care. You're not driving past him. Um, so he's got, he's got, he's, he's got a great help, uh, weak side blocker. Like, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff to like about his defensive game. He's still working on offense. I, he's not ready for that, but I, I really do. I think he's, he's got a lot to like, and the nuggets have a plan to bring him over some future year. And that's fine. Like that. I don't mind that. That's the stash. I understand. I get that completely. Yeah. So I, I really like him actually. And, and one of the things that I liked about him, uh, actually uh, there's several things, but one thing that you really notice is he's light on his feet. He's yes. not one of these plotting centers. And when you look at some of the other guys, like I was, cause I was scouting some of these guys for uh, the, this, this centers article that I did for MHS and Walker Kessler came up and Mark Williams came up and those guys definitely drop centers. Definitely guys that you're going to play yep. in the paint. They're going to have one foot in the paint for most of the year. Christian Coloco, kind of a same guy. He's a little bit more mobile, but, but mostly the same. And Kamigate, he was a little bit more mobile, a little bit more agile. Definitely not as physical as, as some of those other guys. Maybe not as imposing of a rim protector and strength guy as, as maybe a Mark Williams is or a, uh, or a uh, Walker Kessler is. But he's a guy, I think, in Kamigate that is built for the modern NBA as a five. And I also think that there's potential to play him at the four next to a guy like Jokic. I, I do think you could do that because he has the feet for it, right? And he, 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 he can cut. Um, he can't really shoot yet. Like, that's not really his skill. Um, right. Definitely, definitely more of a, like, I think he was compared to Robert Williams by some people, kind of a Robert Williams style of player. Absolutely. Uh, where, like, he's, he's one of those players. And, he played in the Euroleagues, he, not, not Euroleague specifically, but he played abroad overseas and, and in a system. Uh, did you know that Kyle O'Quinn was one of his teammates for Paris? Nice. I didn't know that. So they shared the court in several of these games. And so you right. have Kyle O'Quinn kind of playing the five, Kamigate playing the four. So there are a lot of possessions on there on film where you see these guys playing together and see how two bigs look together at the same time. And O'Quinn kind of fills a Jokic role for a team like that, where he's a lot like he's a roller, but he's also kind of a facilitator at the high post, does a lot of passing to a cutting Kamigate, who's an above the rim threat, but also kind of reads the court pretty well. So I was pretty impressed with the way that he sort of reacted in two big systems, but he's also a one big guy and can hold down the paint too. 
Well, the, the thing that I liked about him is I watched him play some bigger bodies and I thought he was going to get rolled. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I really I really thought that uh, Ishmael was going to get just punked out of the paint. And dudes bounce off of him. And he's built kind of like Marcus Canby, so he's not a big dude. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But Marcus is a slow-footed guy. Like, Marcus had a slow shot. He had slow feet. He had, he had quick hops, but slow feet. Um, and so, like, you would not want Marcus Canby out on the perimeter, like defending guards. Uh, Kamagate can do that. Like that guy is very versatile. He's, he could be a switch defender. That's why I think he could play the four. Um, again, if his offensive game, it just has to come along a little bit. He has to be able to do more than just basically dunk, which is his game right now. Like, I, I don't know if what you would consider his shot to be, but I would consider it to be um, not much. Well, actually, I think I kind of disagree. Like, I think there are definitely some clips out there where he's he's got a reasonably solid mid range jumper. Where it's it's not out to three, and he's definitely not taking threes. I don't think he's taking threes anytime soon. But he has decent touch. I, I uh, think seven. I think when he started his like, if he's initiating it, I think he has decent touch. If he's just standing around and you passing the ball, I didn't ever see that like work for him. So yeah. that's my issue is he's not a catch and shoot guy. So he can't just be a stretch four. You know what I mean? That if he's if he's got the ball and he's driving somebody and he steps back and does a, a step back, you know, mid-range shot, he's got that in his game. So I, I don't mind that at all from him, but there are some things he's gonna have to work on. Which is crazy because none of the other centers in this class, Jalen Duran, Mark Williams, uh, Walker Kessler, Christian Coloco, none of those guys have that in their game. It, it is kind of fascinating to think about. Uh, how those guys went higher than a player right. like Kamigate. And when I, I don't know if there's that much similar, like, like, di- like difference between those guys as prospects. I, I think that Kamigate was relatively underrated in a lot of ways. And he just seems, it just kind of strikes me like a guy that could outperform his draft spot relatively easy, especially if he's in the right system. And I do think that playing with the system like Denver, where it's uh, Denver kind of plays a Euro system anyway. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to like about what he could provide for the Nuggets. I absolutely agree with that. Um, he has actually somebody that I I think might be like available when Zeke is about to hit the market, and then they would have a choice between if Zeke has obviously come along that you want to keep Zeke, but if you don't, you've got this guy you have stashed who might be able to come in and play that again, <clears throat> tall, rangy, defensive four, uh, probably can't shoot the three like uh, like you know our guy, but. You know, he can also he can do other stuff. He's he's got serious blocks in his game. I I with you, I would actually like to see him go up a level in um in the levels of Euro basketball. Um, because European leagues, I would like them to find a fit where they run a good like positional switching defensive like mentality for him right. to get better at actual team defense because i i don't know that that's actually his game he's very much more of an individual defender you know concept so there are but there are ways you can do that right like you can make sure that you get a guy with a team that will work for his development uh and i would i would hope that the nuggets look into that because i really do think that ishmael has a lot to offer uh sam Vecini ranked him at 29 on his big board hey sam agrees with uh, us excellent yeah, like that that feels pretty prevalent in this case. Like it definitely feels like some of the smart basketball people 
definitely saw what he could do and, and believed in what he could do for sure. So we will just have to see. But uh, let's spend just a few minutes on Colin Gillespie here real quick. Uh, not a lot to really say about Gillespie. I think he's a pretty standard basketball player to come out of the NBA and to kind of join the NBA from the college ranks. Fifth year senior from Villanova. He played on the 2017 18 Villanova National Championship team. Mm-hmm. And I think that was with Josh Hart, if I'm not mistaken, but it might have been, I think it was, oh no, it was Mikhail Bridges, I'm pretty sure, and Jalen Brunson and guys like that. Um, but those guys were on that team. And so Gillespie was actually, I don't know if he was playing a whole heck of a lot back then. I'd have to look at the numbers. So actually, let me click on this button here. Uh, yeah, he played uh, <laughs> like 14 minutes per game that year uh, off the bench. But yeah, he's been a four-year starter ever since. Started every single game that he's played ever since then. And that's a, that's a very impressive track record. He's a career 38.7% three-point shooter. Uh, was definitely a very aggressive three-point shooter this year. It hit a lot of step backs, hit a lot of dribble pull-ups, things like that. And he's definitely not lacking for confidence at this level. Uh, we will see whether that translates. Uh, also a pretty good decision maker with the basketball, doesn't turn the ball over a ton. So Michael Malone probably liked that. And uh, though he he's listed at six foot three, I'm not sure what he actually measured at the combine with, but uh, he does seem to me like a player that could really be helpful. And I wonder if uh, he ultimately replaces Monte Morris in the rotation. I, I don't know that he would replace Monte Morris. This would be a. The kind of player that I, I view him as, because you said he's kind of standard coming out. And I, I really think Gillespie is like big Faku. He's got lots of, um, <laughs> he's, he's a very annoying player to face. Like, He's up in your business all the time, doing all this little annoying stuff to you. Um, so the first, the first thing that I thought of when I saw him was, oh, okay, so this is offensively oriented TJ McConnell. Sure. I, I, I'll write Archie Diacono if you want. Like, yeah. It's another one of those kind of guys. Okay, And, and Archie Diacono has been in, in the league for a minute, and he's not really a, a, a necessarily your main backup point guard, but he still gets rotation minutes. He's still like your, you're like your third guard who can handle the ball and make sure you get like 10, 15 minutes a game of a guy who's just going to go out there and ball. You know what I mean? It's not, he's not really good in big minutes, but he's going to go give you some effort. He'll, he'll organize everybody. That's the thing about Gillespie, right? That he has that, the thing he does do like Morris is he gets the team organized. He gets stuff set up. Um, I, he doesn't have a lot of athleticism. He's not going to take a lot of guys to the hoop off the dribble. Like that's not, that is not his game. He's going to set up screens. He's going to work outside. He's going to, he's going to, you know, screen, screen, pass to the open guy. That's his setup. You know, it's not, it's that, it's what Villanova does. That's who they are as a basketball team is, is we play smart. We play really annoying defense. We don't screw stuff up. You know what I mean? And we, and we are always competing against the very best in the, in college. So he already has all of that Final Four experience. He has all of that, um, you know, big moments in big gyms kind of experience. He's got all that. So I don't expect him to be phased. I do think he's a he's a really good backup option if you need somebody. I definitely prefer him to what the Nuggets have been doing with their two-way contracts, which is drafting like small shooting guards. I, I don't want that. I want a guy 
Like this is a high floor kind of guy, right? This is the guy that he's not going to screw you when you make him your backup point guard. He's not going to necessarily light it up, but he's going to make sure that the basic stuff is covered. You've got, you've got the, the generic everyday stuff handled. He'll make sure it gets done. And that's, that's what I want from my third point guard. And so I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, betting on a Villanova guy, never a really bad idea. Uh, right. They, they, generally tend to to pan out pretty well. Jay Wright does a really good job with that program. We've seen a lot of Villanova players, uh, Sadiq Bay, Mikhail Bridges, Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson. Uh, there's there's just a lot of guys that have come into the league. Uh, Brian Archidiakono is one of them. Uh, a lot of guys that come into the league, very good at what they do, not necessarily much more than that. And that's okay. Like that's that's You don't need to be an elite player in order to stick in the NBA. You just have to know what you're good at and stick to that. So if he does that well, then there's a possibility. I do think that he will captain the summer league team. Uh, He'll go down there with Christian Brown. He'll go down there with Peyton Watson. And and I think Kamigante is going down there too. If I, if I heard uh, a Harrison tweet that uh, earlier tonight, but it does sound like Denver's going to get all these guys into their, their summer league team. And there should be some interesting games that that Nuggets fans can be excited for with Gillespie kind of taking the lead. Right. Absolutely. And I, I, if Kamigasi is actually coming to summer league just for fun, that's actually kind of cool. Cause we know he's going back to Europe, but he's actually coming over to summer league to say hi to everybody and basically, you know, show off a little and then go back and work on his stuff. That's great. That means that he's down for what the nuggets need him to do. He, they, he knows they don't have a plan for him. And I think honestly, that's easier for European players right now. Cause you could look at, Holy crap. They have Nikola Jokic. Like, you know, there's a plan for me. Nikola Jokic stayed in Europe for a year. I can stay in Europe for a year. You know what I mean? Like that's exactly how that works. Insight, insight into Kamigate, by the way. Uh, I wasn't at this workout when he came to Denver for his pre-draft workout, but he shook hands with every media member and introduced himself to every person individually. Uh, So he is a high character player. Uh, His English probably needs a little bit of work from what I understand, but uh, he's going to be a player who definitely as, as he, learns and, and improves and just kind of matures a little bit. He just seems like a guy that Denver should like to have around their team. So I do think that he's a player that will come over either next year or the year after that. No, I, I agree with that. And so, like I said, I, I, I don't have any problem with uh, Kamigate and I don't have any problem with uh, Christian Brown um, and Gillespie as a two-way player makes perfect sense for making sure you have a point guard in the building. If some weird stuff happens, like that's the whole thing, right? Is you uh, the Nuggets keep having weird stuff happen every damn year to their roster with injuries and whatnot, and at least this way you've got a guy you could rely on and you can call up from the bullpen for some minutes if you need him. You know what I mean? And and if you don't need him yet, then he can stay in the uh, in uh, the G League and continue working on his game. And then maybe, like you said, he can get ready to step into a role if the Nuggets wind up having to trade Monte Morris at some point next year or whatever, then you've got a guy who's prepped. He knows your system. He knows your players. You're ready for it. Everything it will work out. So I think that's a good future play. My only question is Peyton Watson. And now what the hell are you doing in free agency? Cause you lost most of your trade chips. So yeah, that's the thing. That's- like I, I'm giving this a C minus just kind of on the evening. And it's not necessarily because of the individual players, although Peyton Watson, I do think that they overdrafted. That's right. fine. Like you take your bets and, and it is what it is. Uh, 
it's just about what it means. It's just about what it means for Denver. It's about what it means for the rest of their roster. Are they going to be able to upgrade on Will Barton this summer? Are they going to have to trade Monte Morris? And then maybe they uh, have to sell off Will Barton in a in a salary dump. That's That's been bandied about. Uh, there's not a lot of people that value Will Barton highly right now. So this is a problem for Denver heading into the offseason right now. It's kind of in this free agency period. We will see what they do in free agency. We will see what they do with the rest of their roster. But I do think that Denver is set up now. We, we know what they're dealing with. And now we just have, kind of have to see the results. And if the final results are good, then this grade, maybe it moves up. Right. And it's, again, this is all, I, I hate to make, like, the only thing worse than making draft grades on draft night is making off-season grades on draft night. Like, we aren't there yet. This is not training camp tomorrow. Like we haven't figured out what the Nuggets are going to do. I do feel like they had plans that fell through. So now they're going to have to make other plans that work. And that's okay. That stuff happens. Like you don't get your first trade all the time. You don't get your. Draft gave them a guy who can play for them right now. It gave them a guy who I'm really interested in for the future. It gave them an emergency guy. And then it gave them the wild card. And Peyton Watson is the wild card. You know, they wanted the four years with him. That's why they drafted him there and then went and got Kamigate later. Because they wanted the four years because they if it if at two years, you only have to sign a two-year contract as a um you don't have to sign a four-year. You don't get a four-year. And so if if you know that you're gonna draft a guy who needs multiple years to get ready and you take him, then you're going to have to wind up paying him actually more money if he actually works out in two years um, just because of the way that the system is structured. So I get wanting four years with him. I don't understand necessarily why they did that pick, but if you believe in him and if you want that guy, then you take the four-year contract on him to make sure he's with your team when he gets good enough to play. So fine, whatever. But this doesn't help the Nuggets. And so if for 2022 and 23. So that's my next question. And I can't get past that on draft night. As a draft, I don't hate it. As a draft, I, you know, in some ways I, I get it. And then if this draft was from 2018, I would completely understand. But it isn't. And we're not in 2018. And this is not what the 2022 Denver Nuggets needed to have happen tonight. So now we have more things I got to see. Um, but for from a draft perspective, it's okay. Give it a a, a C. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's that's just what it is. Well, you cut out a couple times, uh, but it is one thirty in the morning, so I could not care less at this point. Uh, we are uh, perfectly fine. I, Gordon, thank you so much for hopping on with me tonight. It has been a pleasure. You are a a patron saint for being able to talk about these guys with me. It has definitely helped uh, this particular podcast massively. So thank you so much for hopping on. No, thanks for having me, man. Good to talk draft with you. And uh, I know you're not going to sleep tonight, but I'll, I'll wish you a good night anyway. Appreciate it, man. Uh, for everybody else that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by, uh, God, I, I definitely butchered that sentence. That is going to do for this, uh, this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you everybody for tuning in. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, probably with some more kind of 
follow up on on what I expect Denver to do going forward with free agency. And maybe we'll get some more information on some of these draft guys. The Nuggets are going to be hosting pressers on Monday with these guys. So we will just have to see what that ultimately looks like. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. We'll talk to you guys very soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.